Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Tony Saxon, technically my boss as community editor at Guelph Today, but we're more interested in Saxon's beat as Saxon on Storm. This year is the 30th season of the Guelph Storm, the local OHL hockey franchise who won the J. Ross Robertson Cup in 2019 and are still technically the undefeated champions since there were no playoffs in 2020 and no Ontario Hockey League season at all in 2020-2021. In a sense, it's going to be a clean slate for all OHL teams because a season can be a lifetime in the Junior Hockey League. So as we enter the first OHL regular season play in over 18 months, we will ask a Storm expert to talk about the season to come, the long odds, and the state of the game as the Storm enter their fourth decade in the Royal City. Storm tracking is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast, and I'm quite proud of that pun. Thank you very much. When the Guelph Storm joined the rest of the world in lockdown in mid-March 2020, they had a record of 32 wins and 23 losses. They were third in the Midwest Division, and they were assured a playoff spot in that coming year's playoff run. But they were in sixth place in the Western Conference behind the London Knights, Saginaw Spirit, Kitchener Rangers, and Flint Firebirds, who all had over 40 wins each, 45 in the case of London. The possibility of another Storm Championship was not impossible, and indeed they had come from fourth place in the West to take the championship in 2019, but it was probably going to be an uphill climb for the team. Winning an OHL Championship, or a Memorial Cup for that matter, is relatively easy when compared to the hoops in front of the league to return to play during the pandemic era. Throughout the last season, the OHL was working with the Minister of Heritage, Sport, Tourism, and Cultural Industries to try and get back on the ice. But as soon as they got close to a deal, the COVID case count would get worse, and the start of the season was delayed again until it was ultimately cancelled altogether. So when the Storm takes the ice for the first regular season game this weekend, you're going to see an almost entirely new team. Because players are always aging out of the league, many players missed their last season, and a ton of new faces are now lacing up around the league. If you're wondering what the Storm's chances are now, and just how new the team this season is going to be, then this is going to be the podcast for you. Tony Saxon joins us this week on the Guelph Politicast to talk about the state of the Storm, and lending us his nearly two decades of experience covering the team. Saxon will talk about how the team has changed in the last 18 months, the changes in the back office in the last few weeks, and most importantly, their odds for the coming season. We will also talk about his history covering the team, how he keeps his journalistic objectivity when covering the hometown team, and how the pandemic has changed the way he can cover the storm. And finally, Saxon will talk about COVID precautions at the Sleeman Center, who to watch this season, and who he thinks would win in a Guelph Storm trivia contest. Saxon or Storm Game radio announcer Larry Malott? The answer may or may not surprise you. So I caught up with Tony Saxon last week via Zoom. So Tony Saxon, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi Adam, how you doing? I'm good, and I just want to say on the record here that it, it is good to see your face again. Uh, haven't haven't had the opportunity to be council buddies, although I know that's not part of your job description anymore. But I mean, I used to see you at least once a week. So that's right, Adam and I were bound to the <laughs> media table together for uh, two or three years. That's right. <laughs> But uh, we're going to talk about your other beat uh, with the Guelph Storm. How, 
I was trying to f- f- think this, think, think about just how long you've been Saxon on Storm. How long has it been? So I started covering the Guelph Storm in 2004, the, the last bit of 2004. So um, 17 years, uh, pretty much uh, been covering them now. So, yeah, it's been a while. The, the, I mean, phonetically, Saxon on Storm just works so well together. Was that like brilliant assignment? editor work or is that something that came about naturally <laughs> that's just the easy part that just uh, <laughs> any, anything that rhymes in a headline uh, rolls off the tongue yeah i started covering them in the playoffs of that year and uh, i've been covering them ever since um back in the glory days of the guelph mercury i would cover all the home all the away games um continued that Mostly when Guelph Today started with missing out some away games and uh, now doing fewer away games uh, just because of time constraints and travel restrictions and cost restrictions. Well, let's get right into talking about where the Guelph Storm are. Uh, you know I am not like a well, well-versed in hockey stuff, which given how I phrase that is probably easy to see, but... I, I know that players in the OHL kind of are, are young and they kind of age out. Um, so I guess how different is this team that's coming into this season from the team that left the ice the last time in 2020? Is it like a radically new, fresh team or, or what are we looking at? Yeah, I, I, I think the whole league as a general is going to see such a huge turnover. Um, junior hockey, you basically have four years of eligibility from 16 to 20. Each team is then allowed three players who are turning 21 that year. So you basically have a 16 to 20 year age group. And now we've got a group of uh, players on every team who um, have graduated without having even played their last season. Um, So most teams will see 11, 12, 13 new players this year, where the normal turnover is about probably five or six, seven at the most. Um, some teams are looking at uh, Peterborough, someone said, is looking at about 15, 16 new players this year because they had a lot of older players at the end of the when, when the season stopped. So every team is going to be losing a lot of players. Every team is bringing in a lot of young players. Every team will have guys who were five foot eight, 140 pounds two years ago, who are now five foot 11, 175 pounds. So everything's changing. And even the ones returning, no one really knows what they're getting with a lot of these players because they wouldn't have played much at 16 year olds a lot of the time. Right. How much of, how much play have any of these players gotten? Because, you know, rinks were shut down, like facilities were shut down. You couldn't practice as a team for a long time. I, I guess how, how how well rehearsed again showing my lack of hockey knowledge but i mean how how, how I, I guess how sort of in touch are are these players going to be with their skills i mean are how many of them are hitting nice for the first time in a while or even if, even if we're going that far yeah certainly at the beginning of the pandemic nobody was on the ice no one was doing any kind of structured um team type stuff they were just working out in gyms working out in home gyms working on skills in the driveway uh the odd one when they could maybe was renting some ice to work on skills as things loosened up a little bit and certainly in the last summer 
um, there was a lot of on-ice activity um, with non-contact and maybe three-on-three -three scrimmages and, and that type of thing. So certainly no full games, no full leagues, no full summer contact type hockey. But they would have been on the ice. They would have been working on their skills and their skating and their development and doing some scrimmaging. Not the same with what they would normally be doing during a summer. Um, but in the, at least in the last couple of months, they would have been on the ice a fair bit, all of these players. And now they have an extended training camp of uh, five weeks by the time the season starts, where they're on the ice almost every day. And, and, and so by the time the season starts, certainly fitness and back to their, their timing and that type of thing will be back. The big difference is going to be in sort of physical development and, and their mm. how they grew and how they grew into their bodies and how they developed their physiques and turned that in, translated that onto the ice because at that age, you change so much physically and mentally and, and emotionally. So they're really different people, not just hockey players, than they were when they last hit the ice. As someone who covers the team, how well acquainted do you get with the players and has that changed because of the pandemic? Like, do you have kind of the same access that you would usually have to like team? What, what's the word? I'm, I was going to say rehearsals, but again, I'm thinking theater for some reason, but like see <laughs> practices, I guess is what I'm thinking about. You know, how has how the pandemic changed your access? Uh, like everything else, it's really, it's really changed stuff. I still have um, a lot of access. Um, it's just a different kind of access. We're no longer allowed to go down to the dressing room to interview players at this stage. Um, I've been to a couple of exhibition games and interviews are done from the press box, either on the phone or you can do a quick Zoom interview if you like. Um, they don't want us milling around the players and there's less interaction with, with people as possible, all, all understandable. Um, no longer allowed to go between the benches to take photos like I have for a number of years. Um, again, that might change eventually, but uh, understandable right now. So there is access. It's just a different type of access. Uh, um, for everyone, and you see it in the professional ranks too, where you're not allowed to go, you know, up to a player three feet away and have a chat with them. So, you, and you kind of lose that familiarity with players that you might when you used to go to practice or after a game, and you're sort of milling around the dressing room and maybe have a little chit chat and some small talk here and there, and just kind of get to know you. So, a lot of these players who I've never even met before um, don't really kind of see me around and know what I'm doing and who I am, and would maybe say hello. So that kind of familiarity is lost. So that's that's a big part of what I'm losing in this. Um, the profession, the professional, they're very uh, mature and, and with their interviews, and they, a lot of them, most of them, are used to being interviewed. But you just don't have that sort of casual familiarity that we used to have. I mean, it's not technically part of the the practice of you know a lot of not a, a lot of these players but definitely a few of them are going to make it to the the front benches of the major leagues one of these days and you would think dealing with local press at whether it's Guelph or Peterborough or Barry or whatever would be good practice for when they're in the big cities dealing with big city press too that's sort of like a another aspect of this that's kind of being lost <laughs> yeah it's all part of the learning process I mean they're, they're coached and, and given some uh, some sort of uh, internal training on how to deal with media. And um, that's all part of it. Usually by the time they get to be older players, they're used to being interviewed both here and in visiting rinks and on TV. Um, it's often interesting when you get the, the 16 year olds come in and they do their first interview. Uh, a lot of it goes to personality. Some of them are great right off the bat. They're very outgoing and uh, chatty and it's just a personality thing, but 
my most of them when they do the first couple of interviews, like deer in the headlights, they're they're really afraid of saying the wrong thing, and 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 so that's all all interesting. Um, but hopefully, by the time they get to be 17, 18, 19 on this team, we'll be back to normal. So, talk a little bit about what fans can expect from the team this season. I mean, again, you're you're bringing almost 20 years of experience in terms of, you know, watching the various teams, watching different players come and go. You're, you're looking at, as you said, it could be as many as 15 or 16 new players. Um, I, which I imagine would be something of, if not a record, but definitely something that's fairly unprecedented, but you know, for people who are looking for the insights inside line about what they can expect from the storm this year, what's, what's your take? Well, uh, <laughs> I think you're going to see a very interesting group of young players. Um, I, I really like this this group of 16 and 17 year olds they've got. They're very competitive. Um, they're they're very skilled. Uh, the team has gone out and drafted sort of a on a sort of a skill level. Um, I think that group is going to be a very good group in a year or two. Um, They'll go through their growing pains this year, like any first-year player does. And you basically have two groups of first-year players moving on to this team um, who've never played a game before. But I really like that group. There is an older group. Uh, there are um, probably six or seven 19-year-olds on this team who are going to have to lead this team. The one thing the Guelph Storm doesn't have this year is overage players. You're allowed to have three overage players. They have one in camp right now. And... Um, Instead of the three, they'd rather give those spots, at least at this point, to the younger players and give that ice time to the younger guys. So I think you're going to see a competitive team, um, a hardworking team, a team that has a lot of hope for the future, but probably not one that is going to finish in the top half of the standings this year. I think they're, mm. they're a team that's probably looking at the top third of the top third of the la the last third of the standings, but maybe at the top of that group, trying to battle for for spots there. Um, they do have some really interesting players to watch. They have two players who were drafted into the NHL. Defenseman Daniel Cheka, who was drafted by um, Anaheim. And Sasta, Sasha Pastajob is a real fine this year. He's a player from the States that the team, the team drafted a couple of years ago in the 14th round of the draft. Never really hoping to, that he would come on the team. Uh, he was a real long shot. He had two brothers. He's from Florida. He has two brothers who went to the University of Michigan. So it didn't look like he was ever going to land in Guelph. Lo and behold, he gets drafted. Um, and I'm sorry, he's drafted by Anaheim. Uh, Chaco was drafted by Las Vegas. But he got drafted by Anaheim. And uh, he and his family and probably Anaheim said, we'd prefer you play junior hockey. So Sasha, Sasha Pastajov, say that three times fast, <laughs> is probably going to be their number one forward this year. Really skilled uh, centerman, playmaking centerman, uh, who should be fun to watch. Can I ask again? Because I'm not sports oriented at all. But when you know, when you look at the team roster, when you you sort of look at the stats, see, look at their like sort of past performance. You know, when you when you make those predictions, like they won't be in the top half of the league this year. What kind of considerations are, are you, are you looking at? Like how, how do you kind of read those tea leaves? Um, I, I think junior hockey watchers generally look at the, the teams that tend to finish at the top of the standings are the older teams. The veteran teams have a lot of 19 year olds on the team, have three high end 20 year olds on the team. Those are the, those are the teams that generally stack up for a run at a championship 
guys who have performed in the league for three or four years have a lot of success and experience. Um, Guelph doesn't really have that, and and that's really what you base that on um, mm-hmm. is on sort of the age of, of of the players, and then you look at your 18, 19 year olds. Well, how were how, how did they perform with 17, 18 year olds? And if they were just kind of third, fourth liners, haven't really shown that that star qualities yet. Um, they may still do, but you just look at past performance. But age is uh, age is such a big factor in the, in in this league. Mm-hmm. Is is there I, I guess a factor in because I I've again sort of passively following the news. I know that's just a change of ownership for the Guelph Storm. Uh, there's been coaching changes. Does any of that stuff have an impact? That kind of off ice stuff have it have an impact on the way the players play, or is that like above their their heads? I um I don't think it should have an impact on, on the players unless those things. Unless those new owners want to impact that ice and, and sort of have a, a hand in what's going on on the ice, which generally speaking they won't, um, it, it affects the 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 sort of culture and it, it can affect uh, once you start bringing new coaches in and new management type people, it can affect the way you play and and what style you want to play. But, but by and large, play, players are kind of removed from that. There's a, there's a degree of separation there, I think. It means more from the business end and maybe the future of the team and, and what they want to do with the rink and where they want to move the team and th- those types of things. But once that puck drops, really, unless you have an owner who, who meddles in the on-ice product, which occasionally happens, but generally speaking doesn't, and there's no reason to believe it, it's going to happen here, at least not yet, um, that those things shouldn't really affect the players. Mm-hmm. How about the effect of the fans? I mean, what what are your kind of expectations? Because I, I know that the, the limits have sort of been lifted a little bit. The, that's been loosened. Uh, so there'll be a few more people in the Sleeman Center. But I mean, what, what are your kind of, I guess, what are your expectations for the effect that fans will have? And, and what should fans expect going to Storm Games in the COVID era? Yeah, with the restrictions lifted, so now you're allowed to have 2,500 fans, uh, 50% capacity. Um, most of those, I, I'm imagining most of those fans in Guelph will be season ticket holders. Guelph has around 2,000 season ticket holders. Um, I, I don't know if they've lost some of those during COVID, but that would be, generally speaking, what they would carry. So you have that that group, dedicated group anyway, who is uh, you know, going to follow that team and cheer on that team no matter what. Um I think what you're losing, um, and I, this is a challenge for the team and, and the people that sell the tickets, is you want those school groups. You want those sort of people that go three or four times a year because they're enthusiastic, and that's the new fan you're attracting, and they, and they bring a level of, of excitement to the, to the rink on a Friday night. Those are the ones that's going to be hard. How do, you, how do you sell tickets to those folks when you've got obligations to season ticket holders? Mm. Um, you, you have obligations to corporate clients. Um, you're selling. You want to sell your boxes upstairs, your your private boxes. How do you get that that casual fan and that guy who who wants to take his kids to a game once a month, or maybe we'll try the Guelph Storm? We've never been to a game before. That's the target audience, I think. That that is. I don't know how you service that group uh, right now with with these limitations or with that many season ticket holders. That's interesting because my. Most of my Guelph Storm experience is selling 50-50 tickets for different nonprofits, but 
th- there is a definite feeling like this is a Friday night activity for hundreds of people in Guelph. Like it's Friday. I'm going down to the storm. Like the people in jerseys, uh, in, in hats, like people who know the players off by heart. It's, it, it is a massive Guelph centric activity, the storm season. Yeah, they, I mean, this team's built up a culture here and, and built up a following. And when you have 2,000 season ticket holders, uh, that's a pretty good number uh, in this league. Um, and, and you get a bit of a different vibe on a Friday night as opposed to a Sunday afternoon, which is when, generally speaking, their other home games games tend to be. You get a lot of younger crowd. You get a bunch of buddies out f- to watch the game, and then they're going out later. You get people, uh, you know, went out for dinner and then come over to the game. Uh, sat- Sundays, you get a lot more families, a lot more younger kids, of course. It's not as late at night. Uh, they're usually in the afternoon games. Um, so it's a bit of a different a bit of a different vibe there. Mm. Do you think, is there room to, to, you know, for the crowd to be as rowdy as, as usual, or is this going to be like a subdued crowd? Because I mean, in the back of everyone's mind is, you know, that there's still a pandemic and masking is still a thing. There's going to be vaccine sort of certificates, vaccine certificates, the whole shebang, you know, can given that, Give it, I mean, and, and I also know I, I ask this because it's also important to, the, to the, the players as well, right? The players feed off the energy of the crowd as much as the crowd feeds off the energy of the game. I mean, you're supposed to wear your mask if you're not eating or drinking. And, and certainly in the exhibition games, people are following those rules. It's harder to cheer, <laughs> harder to cheer with a mask on. Um, generally speaking, the, the enthusiasm also comes from the sort of having an almost sold out rink. Well, now you've got a half a rink with uh, people spaced out the excitement and the energy also comes from winning um this team will win some games but they're not going to be a championship team they're going to lose as many as they win in in all likelihood so that sort of puts a damper i don't see you'll see that same enthusiasm excitement um but we'll see is might there be untapped enthusiasm because just you know it's it's a thing that was taken away during the pandemic and now it's back um, perhaps, um, but people seem to be getting used to getting their things back now that they, mm. that they enjoy, um, by and large, uh, um, a certain segment of, of our society accepted. Um, but, uh, I, th- I think people are now getting used to that and they're certainly going to appreciate it. I think, I just don't know where that enthusiasm, uh, is going to come from, uh, which kind of feeds off itself at a hockey game. Mm. Let me ask about your level of fandom, because I mean, Working next to you at the council chambers, uh, I was always amazed at your commitment to being completely detached from the events that was going around on an hour or two. But when you're in Sleeman Center and you're watching a game, uh, are you absolutely objective at, at covering the story and all the ins and outs? Or is your inner fan struggling to come out? Um. I don't know if I'd call it a, a fan. I mean, number one rule, right? No cheering in the press box. Uh, <laughs> there's a book by that name, a really good book. Um, I am not a fan of the Guelph Storm. I can't be. If I'm going to cover them, I can't be a fan of the, of the Guelph Storm. Um, then I'm not doing my job, which is to be objective. Mm. That doesn't mean to say I'm not a fan of individuals. I'm not a fan of young men chasing their dreams and seeing how hard they work and by and large, in, in 20 years, I've liked almost every player I've, I've come across. They're, they're engaging. They're interesting. They, they work their butts off. They're, they're polite. They're, they're... So 
I am a fan of people and I, and I want them to do well, but I am not a fan when I go to work. When I go to work, um, I'll say if they played like crap and if I like that player, I'll still say he had a really lousy game and cost them the game with a bad mistake. Doesn't mean I don't like them. It's never personal, ever, ever mm. is it personal when I'm covering a, a hockey game or when I'm critical of ownership or the coach. Uh, I'm just doing my job, which is to call it as I see it. And I think people, for the most part, respect that. I mean, I've had some run-ins in the past with players and coaches, but um, we've worked it out. And I think there's a professional respect there. Um, it doesn't mean I don't like them. It doesn't mean I don't want them to do well, but I'm not going to cheer for them or uh, promote them in that way. Do you, do you feel maybe, I don't know, mar- I don't know if marginalized is the right word, but sort of like put in a box because, I mean, if, if we're being honest, the local sports beat is not like there aren't five reporters covering the Guelph storm who are on the Guelph storm beat. There's like maybe you and a couple of other people and maybe CTV sends a camera person because it's a you know, highway seven game with the Rangers or whatever. But do, do you feel maybe people misunderstand your objectivity and, and it's taken as like, well, you're the guy who's chronicling us. Why, why aren't you in our corner? <laughs> Um, I, I, I get a lot of, I talk to a lot of storm fans, obviously. I mean, it, it does kind of put a microscope on me and I get a lot of people who say, how do you think we'll do this weekend? Or, or do you think we should do that? And, and sometimes I say, I, I don't care um, <laughs> in, in a professional sense, not to be disrespectful to them or the team, but I'm not here to, to, again, I'm not here to, to twist things or play things or um, I've been accused of being a, a tool of the Guelph storm. I've been a tool of, I've been accused of hating the Guelph storm. I've been accused of it comes with the territory. And I think most people who, who follow the Guelph storm or read my stuff or follow my stuff. Um, I think I've earned that respect just with how I cover the team uh, through thick and thin and through some really bad years and through some really good years and through some uh, controversial moments. Um, I don't think anyone could ever accuse me of being uh, unprofessional, and that's the main thing. It makes you sound like a backseat coach, right? When somebody says to you, like, what, what do you think is going to happen this weekend? And I guess I've been treating you a bit that way, too, with trying to predict where the storm is going to go. But, it, you know, you are kind of the shadow, the shadow coach, uh, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> well, people seem to think I know a lot more than I do. Um, really, uh <laughs> I have opinions like most people and I see them play and I, I used to see them practice an awful lot. So I might have a bit more insight than the normal fan might, but most of what I say, certainly in my weekly column uh, is opinion. You know, I'm just saying what I think I'm wrong an awful lot of the time. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> fine. You know, that's what a column is, is an opinion, right? You know that. Um, I, I, I don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to like it or agree with it as long as you read it. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> you should you should answer some of the emails I get about the Martin I do. Square event. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Looking ahead, uh, you know, you've been doing this 17 years. Um like is this part of your your job at Guelph today, so long as you're working there? Like is is like Saxon on Storm is is that like is that ride or die? I, I guess essentially that you know this is kind of part of your legacy. Well, legacy, holy legacy. Moly. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gone yet, Adam. Uh, wait till I'm gone before you use that term, please. 
Um, you know, when, when Guelph Today started five and a half years ago and I was talking with uh, my bosses and the owners of the company that brought Guelph Today to Guelph uh, and they offered me the job and I said, there's, there's two things. I said, one, I don't sell ads and two, I'm covering the Guelph storm. And they said, yeah, no problem. I mean, to me, covering the storm, is, it's, it's, it doesn't feel like work. That's kind of my happy place at, at this point in my life. It's relaxing. It's enjoyable. I love every minute at the rink. Um, you know, I, I'll have a long day at work and, and deal with a lot of things and manage, you know, seven people here and, and putting out three, three sites. And I go to the rink. I'm just enjoying myself, taking pictures, watching a sport that I've loved since I was a little kid. So I don't really look at it as work, even though sometimes it is hard work, as, uh, um, has been at times. Um, I really enjoy it. I'm glad to hear it. But one last question before we go. Uh, Gulf Storm Trivia Contest, who would win? You or Larry Malott? Larry Malott. <laughs> No, no contest. No contest. He's been around longer than me, and he's much smarter than me. <laughs> All right. We might have to get him on the record to see how he feels. But, uh, Tony, it was great talking to you, and uh, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy your happy place this season. My pleasure, Adam. Take care. And once again, that was Tony Saxon. You can read Saxon's coverage of the Guelph Storm at Guelph Today at guelphtoday.com. And you can also follow him at Saxon on the Storm on Twitter. The first home game of the season is this weekend, Saturday, October 9th at 7 p.m. The second part of a two-part season opening face-off against the Kitchener Rangers, the Highway 7 rivalry, if you will. You can find the full schedule for the Guelph Storm and links to buy tickets at guelphstorm.com schedule. And that is it. For this edition of the Guelph Politicast, the music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, out of the University of Guelph. And to learn more about CFRU, you can go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or you can send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com if you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico. You may certainly do that and get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, you can check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you this time next week. And until then, we will see you next time.